We want to take a second to thank you for supporting Womance by listening to our podcast. One great way that you can continue supporting us, including those listens, is hitting subscribe, telling a friend, leaving a review. That stuff all really matters. Sharing it on your personal social media is another great way to spread the word about Womance. And another option for supporting us, if we may be so bold, is to recommend going to our Patreon, where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us spread the word of woe. If you want to contribute more than a dollar a month, which obviously no pressure, whatever you've got, we are so appreciative to have, but we have awesome gifts for you. If you want a hand-addressed letter from Morgan and Isabeau, maybe with some special woe stickers, other merch, just uh, visit our Patreon. We are Womance on Patreon, or is it patreon.com forward slash Womance? We would be very proud to call you one of our patrons. is romance a podcast about romance novels about christmas masquerades <laughs> about shitty relations you have to put up with during the holidays about pride and prejudice adaptations about christmas gift hijinks about very 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 short stories but mostly it's about that first thing Romance novels and ourselves. This week, y'all, we're reading A Christmas Masquerade, a Pride and Prejudice sequel, Intimate Variation by Vivian Norville. Vivian Norville. It has eight ratings and 3.6 stars on uh, Amazon. You might be wondering how we found a book with eight ratings. Um, And the answer is search engine optimization. Uh, Not on our part, but on the part of Norval. This is a self-published work. And uh, we searched Pride and Prejudice Christmas novella, and this came up. Eventually. Sure did. Eventually. We did find it first on the Walmart ebook site, which probably was an indicator of something it probably was we're gonna get into that but first we're gonna read the back of this text the back of the essay the because it is quite short it is breezy uh blink and you'll miss it it's about 50 pages uh that seems generous <laughs> it's about 47 pages it's about 10 words uh, <laughs> No, it's 47 pages. Sure. Uh, Don't it, be hyperbolic. It's not an akatar, is what I'm saying. No, not even the short one. <laughs> anyway, newlyweds Lizzie and Darcy are looking forward to their very first Christmas season together. Spoiler alert for Pride and Prejudice. Oh, spoiler. Yeah, Lizzie and Darcy get together in the end. Uh, but when the annual Pemberley Christmas masquerade becomes plagued with chaos in the form of unexpected visitors, the happy season threatens to become a dismal one. Mm. The miserable half of Derbyshire. Full of secrets and schemes, Lizzie is determined to come out on top this holiday season. 
Will Lizzie and Darcy find the magic of the holidays in each other throughout this time? Will Darcy need to remind Lizzie of her duties as Mistress of Pemberley? Find out in Christmas Masquerade, colon, a taken in hand by Mr. Darcy holiday special. This sensual, intimate holiday variation of Pride and Prejudice is best enjoyed by readers over the age of 18. Emphasis on the colon, but not in a sensual way. Mm-mm. First, I'd like to quibble with the uh, rating. Okay. I'd absolutely, I'd actually like to quibble with the back of the book. This actually brings me to my biggest thing. Your biggest thing? Yeah. It's probably my weirdest part. Do you mind if I just like... No. At Christmas? (laughs) No, I don't mind. You're so generous. It's a Christmas miracle. Um, I'm not like Lizzie. I don't get all like bitchy. That's true. It's true. (laughs) And you're not going to get dramatic and weird in your <laughs> mental asides about me wanting to start with my weirdest part. So I had high expectations. I grew up in a time when The Phantom of the Opera was made into a cinematic masterpiece with Gerard Butler, who'd never done a musical before. Uh, Masquerade was imprinted onto my teen heart in a very particular kind of way. It's always sensual. There's no version of a masquerade that isn't just sex. Mm-hmm. Um, Remember Patrick Wilson? Come on. Do I? Obviously. <laughs> God. And it's just sexy. And it doesn't matter if you're wearing a ball gown that has like 25 petticoats. Like, we all know that it's just a horizontal or a vertical discussion of a horizontal wish. Right? Yeah, it's like you got the mask. It's like the fishnets. It's like, it's so good. So, all right. Masquerade at Pemberley. Fucking strapped in. Ready to go. Intimate variation. Reminding Lizzie of her duties. All right. We're going to get some BDSM. Cool. Didn't it talk about, like, Mr. Darcy takes Lizzie in hand? Yeah. Like, isn't that one of the subtitles? That is one of the subtitles. I'm like, I'm at this point, I'm kind of expecting props, maybe like a riding crop or like, I don't know, something leather. Expectations are high. We were going to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. We were. (laughs) And it would have made sense. And Mm -hmm. then there's fucking nothing. I don't even know why it says that it's for best for 18 year olds. I read way more wild stuff when I was 12. Like a, lot, a lump of coal in the stocking. Lump, what did I do to deserve that is my question. <laughs> I was very naughty this year. Very good this year. I was both. I think I deserved coal, which I was willing to accept, as well as a scene Darcy spanking Lizzie at a ball. I don't know. Or after. Or before. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Either way. Anytime. Yeah, this is a very mild um, fade to black. There are references. Like, it mentions that he spanked her at one point, which isn't the same. It isn't the same. Talking. Yeah. It's not the same, okay? (laughs) It's not the same. A fade to black on an intimate variation of Pride and Prejudice. Get the fuck out. Who the fuck do you think you are? What is this? I just, I, and I couldn't believe it. I kept like looking for it and I'm like, it, like, oh, like certainly by the end, certainly now that these Lady last Cass- five pages are going to get <laughs> so sweaty. I was like, it'll be dripping. And now that like Catherine DeBerg has shown up, spoiler alert, she's the uninvited guest of Christmas. I, I did have like one moment of like panic where I was like, is this going to be like a full blown like orgy and am i ready and so that was i mentally prepared for that and then i guess it was funny that the cat jumped on 
Catherine de Berg's wig. I guess, but also I didn't expect this to be funny. Like that wasn't that wasn't an expectation I held for it based on its title, subtitle, and its back of the book. Like it would have been fine if it was, but it turned out that this is very much like a rated G hijinks. <laughs> and it's, and it's, and like, it's mostly between Georgiana and Lizzie. And then Darcy just like kisses her mean style twice. Twice. And then the maid walks in and he's like, I've got a hard on, but we'll finish this later. And then it finishes it later, but we don't know if that's true or not because it never happens for, for us. If a tree, if a Christmas tree falls in a forest, no one's around to hear it. Does it make a sound? Is it even a Christmas tree at that point? If it doesn't have its, it's not, if it doesn't have its, you know, its trimmings, the thing, the essence of the Christmas tree itself, it's not the Norfolk pine, although I appreciate it, or a balsam fir, sure, whatever, but a balsam fir in a field of other balsam firs, not a Christmas tree, literally just a conifer. Yeah, this isn't a spicy romance. This is literally just a conifer. And I find it to be, so this kind of, evokes my weirdest part which is the fact that <laughs> a christmas short story reeks of capitalism late stage capitalism but it truly does so it, like the back of the book is our first evidence of that overselling sex that's not going to happen um the other aspect of that is that this is clearly a rush job on page one it's been a while since we've talked about one of these but it's important because they exist <laughs> on page one Lizzie looked out the front window and watched as the tiny snowflakes dressed the trees and shrugs, shrugs, in a wintry glaze. Not shrubs, shrugs. Now, should have been caught. Absolutely should have been caught. In fact, and here's the thing that I did, you know, where it's like, I don't want people to think that, like, you and I are looking for mistakes. First of all, this was in the second sentence. Second of all, (laughs) when you just sent me the screen cap of it, I was like, perhaps author means shrugs the period appropriate little capelet (laughs) that some human beings would have worn during the christmas season so i go in as generous as possible being like maybe the shrugs because she's watching the maids come in and out of the door or something and they're wearing shrugs that are now glistening with the season no honestly it was really truly meant to be shrubs and author didn't catch it. Clearly didn't have a beta reader because the beta reader would have caught that in the second sentence. Yeah, editor, definitely. Well, it made me think because I was like, this kind of seems like the kind of mistake that someone would make if English wasn't their first language. Sure. And so that was kind of my most generous interpretation. But there are lots of weird, uh, wonky sentences. I have an example Lizzie paused, torn from her plan to punish Darcy and prevent him from discovering her plan and her genuine love for her husband. She's torn between her plan and not wanting him to find out and her genuine love for him. But in that sentence, rather than saying him, her husband, like using the the object as the subject there doesn't help where using the pronoun him would have cleared that up a little bit i think it's just like stuff like that where like if you read it out loud Mm -hmm. it sounds all gummy you know and you can Mm -hmm. catch it it reminded me of like when ages ago 
when there was that controversy where they discovered um, plagiarism of an article, top 10 wedding traditions from around the world Mm -hmm. in a romance novel that was nominated for what was then known as the Rita's. Mm -hmm. Do you remember this? I do remember this. It turned out that that writer to get out of responsibility for the plagiarism said, I hired someone on Fiverr who wrote that part. And it was suddenly like, oh my gosh, people are, authors are hiring other people to write, like not big name authors either. Like this was a self-published book just like this. And they hired someone on Fiverr to help them finish the book, which sounds remarkable. And then there's also, we've heard from people who have reached out to us and we would love if they would be willing to come on the show, but they do ghost writing for romance novelists. And it's not like they're writing the whole book. They're just like, assigned pieces to write which is strange like i don't think that's how john grisham does it no he just assigns a new young person in his stable of authors john grisham hasn't written a book himself in like 25 years it is my understanding that it is one person who writes the book under the john grisham name they aren't assigned parts yeah it's like this weird piecemeal thing that's weird and it's piecework which Mm -hmm. is like a very early women's uh wage labor also continues to this day but i think the to say nothing of the fact that this hijinks in the plot revolves around the fact that lizzie's friend charlotte is coming to her first christmas at pemberley bringing along mr collins as well as Catherine de Berg and her daughter, mm-hmm. Lizzie wants to get her friend a nice handkerchief. And because of that, she has to get Catherine de Berg something too. Mm-hmm. Because she just really wanted to give Charlotte a nice handkerchief. Like, be fucking for real. And so then Georgiana is like, I know what to do. We'll get her one of these fancy cats. And I'll make up a pedigree. And the cat is actually a bad cat. And mm-hmm. it like causes gentle mayhem. That is a very generous term. Gentle mayhem. Doesn't finish its ham milk. <laughs> and it's like kind of mean. It scratches, but mostly because it's scared and out of its box. And didn't, like mostly this whole thing is like. The cash grab of it all. Sure. It's it's a cash grab, but its vibe is very much like a poorly written Bob's Burgers episode. A series of hijinks kind of strung together. I think it was nice that Georgiana and like Lizzie were, you know hanging out i think it would be nicer if there was something else going on you know if it was like a little bit longer or like any character development i think that's also one of the things where it's like a story like this unlike just like fan fiction rather (laughs) a story just like a story like this is just like fan fiction in that it uses the structure of the original as a shorthand where fan fiction that we've read for this show and that you and i have read for other reasons like can build on and sometimes like exceed the original text this relies too heavily on the structure and the character so like these are just the these are like the lightest kinds of tracings of darcy and lizzie and georgiana like there's nothing new here there's there's not even anything of like the real camaraderie or joy or funniness of austin like austin has hijinks like they just don't look like this it's like Lydia in the carriage telling everybody that she, you know, bought a <laughs> bought charcuterie lunch. board for her sisters and, like, everyone knows that she didn't. Like, it, it's even missing that charm. 
Well, and sh- and Charlotte's right there, and all Lizzie does is feel sad for Charlotte, who is pregnant, and then that goes nowhere because it's a 45-page story. Yeah. And Catherine de Bourgh is so over the top. Like, Catherine de Bourgh would never be that kind of a villain, you know? Mm-hmm. She's not Ursula the Sea Witch. Yeah. And at the beginning, I was also like, well, you know, this person clearly really loves Pride and Prejudice, and like... No, I don't think that's true either. I think it was all search engine optimization. And it reminds me of these passive income people I see all the time on TikTok who will tell you like, hey, self-publish a book on Amazon and then people just buy it and then you just make that money because it's like three bucks, right? So people will throw three bucks at something. And that's the thing, like romance has for a long time and we admittedly did this too talked about how much money it made as if that was like a virtue of the craft or something and people still do it a lot of other podcasts a lot of other writers a lot of romance writers still kind of centralize that as a as somehow like evidence of how worthwhile romance is but it's not actually evidence of that this is kind of the inevitable end of that line of thinking Mm -hmm. i think that's right seo book that we picked up for Christmas. I think that's right. I think the idea that like one in five books in the United States is a romance is like an interesting factoid, but it, and you're right to say that it doesn't really necessarily delineate anything else, right? Sometimes a fact can truly be unadorned. It's a popular genre, but popular doesn't really mean anything other than that it has popular appeal. And like the, the numbers don't really speak to anything I mean, like, they they do tell a story. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that that story is everybody thinks they can write one. Mm-hmm. And it's super accessible to write one and have it published now, especially self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Kindle Unlimited has unleashed something. And I think you and I have described it on this podcast before as, like, a fire hose. But there are also, like, now that RWA imploded and it's, like, newest reorganization doesn't doesn't have the clout for good or for ill that it used to there and the romance times is closed there's kirkus reviews but who knows what that is like the democratization of romance writing but also critical romance engagement has unintended consequences and one of them is like ginormous piles of shit get published and now with ai (laughs) like they can have as cool of covers as stuff that has like the harlequin imprint or has like blurbs from somebody that you like and And also harlequin and everybody kind of shed the the complexity of their covers a while ago for the sake of mass appeal already so it's even easier to replicate yeah and now people, you know, the youngins, the people who grew up reading Wattpad instead of IMDb message boards <laughs> for fan fiction, they now like have an identity, like identify with that particular kind of cover, which is inherently easily replicable and highly evocative and nostalgic. And so it will sell books. And so everything is getting like flattened out. And it's hard when a couple of naive boomers like us search not a boom. pride and prejudice christmas novella and we get duped we got duped <laughs> also like i was like it was a perfect duping for us masquerade 
like Darcy teaching Lizzie her duties. Taking Lizzie in hand. Yeah, come on. Like I yeah. like it was, it was the algorithm knew what we wanted and it gave it to us. No, it didn't. This was a lie. I'm mad about it. Like I am actually mad about it. Because I think you and I are generous readers and we go into this with our fucking mm-hmm. hard-earned cash and like whatever. And for someone to shit all over my expectations like this, it's like, don't use that language, right? I have precious few signposts as you beautifully elucidated for us, right? Like, I can't depend on a cover. I can't depend on a blurb. I can't depend on the back of the book. But I can depend on a couple of things. Masquerade and taking Lizzie in hand mean certain things. 18 and up, recommended for readers 18 and up. And that's the other thing. It's like how everyone thinks that they have to love animals. Everyone thinks they have to love spicy books. When we started this podcast a blink of an eye ago, it was harder to determine if a book was slutty or not. Now it's hard to determine if a novel is sweet or not. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is a relatively sweet romance, yes. you know, by the measure of not having any sex on page, just kisses. This is a Debbie Maycomber. Yeah, this is, but without the charm and art of a Debbie Maycomber. Exactly. Without the charm and art of Debbie Maycomber. I have another weirdest part to talk about. Please. So over the course of the novel... This cat abandons his ham milk mm-hmm. in Georgiana's room and is set loose upon Pemberley. And Darcy is passionately kissing his wife on the bed. Don't get excited. <laughs> when they hear a loud commotion, like a cat, and Darcy kneels down to see what's under the bed, he gets his hand scratched. And Lizzie tells him, I think it's a mouse. He's like, What's going on in this house? And she's like, I think it was a mouse. And he's like, I'm going to figure you out. (laughs) Don't tell. He's not stupid. He's not stupid. No one. No one is that stupid. Maybe Bingley. Later on at the ball, same thing happens. They're sitting on a bench. She hears the cat. She then baits him to put his hand down Mm -hmm. so she can see the little paw scratch his hand again. Mm -hmm. There's this weird, like, deeply sensual description of blood Mm -hmm. coming out of the cat scratch. Don't get too excited. It's not that kind of party either. Certainly not. This isn't, this chicken never comes home to roost. And he once again is like, what's going on? He, like, can't figure out that there's a fucking cat under It's as though Mr. Darcy is Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog would have figured it out, but it is in a lot of ways like dirt. And I mean, like, this does nothing to, I mean, like, all of my feelings of Darcy as a projector screen came rushing back. Sure. Absolutely. And it's shit like this that, like, gave you that impression in the first place. I also think, like, on this idea that Darcy's not stupid, Darcy isn't stupid. Famously. Famously, he's not stupid. And um, when he invites Catherine de Berg and the Collinses without talking to Lizzie during their first Christmas holiday, I'm like, Darcy would never do that. Under no circumstances, unless something, but even then, it's like he, the lesson that he learns in Pride and Prejudice is like to communicate better, or that's one of the lessons that he learns. And so, like, the fact that he wouldn't tell Lizzie that he'd invited Catherine for Christmas is just like that's not even, it's not in the realm of his possibility anymore. And like, 
part of that was really weird to me. And then like Lizzie is obviously upset and like irritated. And then they don't speak for two days, which also feels like then neither of them learned the lessons of the original text. And that's like, yes. So it also picks Darcy up, Darcy and Lizzie, it picks them up in a weird place, a place where the book itself, like the original text doesn't finish them. It like picks them up right before the first proposal. Isn't there like a famous telling of like a post Pride and Prejudice book that like Mr. Darcy takes a wife? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When was that published? I think I feel like I was uh, like 2000s, maybe late 90s. But it was a big hit, and isn't it pretty erotic? It is graphic. It's incredibly erotic. The whole first quarter is, like, them just having sex all the time, which is really cute. But, like, it's also – it goes on for eight years post-marriage. So they deal with – and content warning – they deal with uh, a stillbirth um, – they deal with a miscarriage, they deal with an abduction and attempted rape. And like, part of the whole thing of like, what's happening is that their relationship is central, obviously. But it's like, it's the relationship that they had at the end of Pride and Prejudice. And so it's like their ability Mm -hmm. to communicate together, their ability to weather these types of things, like the the chapters post baby loss are some of the most incredible like just it's clear to me that like this author wanted to talk about a very specific kind of grief and she used Darcy and Elizabeth to do it and she used them the height of their ability to communicate with each other and then she uses grief as a battering ram to like test the strength of it and it's it's incredibly good it's a very modern romance novel move but it's also like that's what people People think fan fiction is Christmas Masquerade. Yeah. It is, in fact, Mr. Darcy Takes a Wife. It is incredibly long, incredibly detailed. Yeah. Most of what it adds is not just explicit sex, but, like, true deep angst. Yes. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But one of the things you, you hit on there is you talk about, like, how it really picks up the characters where the book ends, meaning like where they are in their like growth and like who they are as characters. And I think it's just such an, like, I don't know why this author decided to challenge themselves by saying that this was a Lizzie and Darcy novel. They could have easily replaced character names and it wouldn't have made a difference. Mm -hmm. I think it adds like this level of um, this, this extra facet to the rubric Mm -hmm. and why would you do that to yourself but now i'm realizing it's because it's search engine (laughs) optimization would be the reason to do it to yourself because people who have podcasts are looking for pemberley masquerades at christmas yeah (laughs) yeah i guess so i think everybody is i think and i think a lot more people understand themselves when they want a romance novel they think what they want is jane austen but they should just get an they should just get some joanna Lindsay. yeah they should get lisa claypas at the holidays she goes absolutely batshit and like you know it it can be like those long gorgeous maned humans but it can be like the the christmas gone horribly wrong novella that we love so much from i'm sure that author also has great hair maybe 
Maybe not famously great hair. <laughs> Maybe not Miss Massachusetts level yeah, great hair, Jesus, but that hair. So few of us do. Cecilia Grant. Cecilia Grant. Cecilia E. Grant. Cecilia E. Grant. A Christmas Gone Perfectly Wrong. That's a great one. It's a perfect one. It's delicious in every way. Historical. Read that instead of this. Read anything instead of this. I mean, honestly, the one that we read with like the jewel thief who was like taking stuff back from the museums and then she awoke that drum and all the people came out of it. That was so fucking good. That was so good. If you want some uh, some challenging erotica. If you want some challenging erotica, it's super good. I also really recommend You're Not Vanilla Baby. If you're not a vanilla baby. Shout out to Jack Harlow. You should also definitely be over the age of 14 when you read it. Maybe 18. Maybe 18. Some stuff gets really intense. Um, Or like I loved the holiday Hanukkah one that we read in Historic Edinburgh, you know? And that one has angst in it. It does. I'm an angsty baby. I think we we allege that we did this in good faith and we allege... We do allege. ...that we have a good sense of humor. What was your sexiest part? Put your money where your new Glarus brewing beer is. Oofta. Shout out to Wisconsin Original. Uh, so I'm going to go classic, Isabeau, circa 2018 romance. Um, and also every year since then. I think I've branched out. I think I've grown. <laughs> um when Lizzie confronts Darcy after their two days of silence and she's like, do you know why I'm mad? And he's like, I see now that our first Christmas together wasn't the time to invite Catherine to Berg. I am sorry. And I was like, that was a fairly okay apology. And I like that, like, he was up. I was like, a wooga, a wooga. I liked that. I do. I like an apology. <laughs> and I like that he was upset that they weren't speaking. I don't like it when people give each other the silent treatment in books or in real life. And so anytime someone's like, I didn't like that, can we make up? I'm always like, here for it. What was your sexiest part? Was it the bloodied hand? Yeah, I think that was probably the most erotic part of the book. I want to I want to read it because <laughs> it is bizarre. I wish you – I. You know, we probably have time to read the entire thing on this podcast. We do. Here we go. Here's an example. Darcy swore loudly, bringing all conversation around them to an abrupt halt. Stumbling to his feet, Darcy held his hand up with five fine red lines marking his skin, the droplets of blood swelling and threatening to spill off his hand. Wow, that is erotic. (laughs) Right? Weird. See, like every every turn, this book like threatened to be something really intense. Like Catherine de Berg and Mr. Collins are showing up, and I'm like, it's a Christmas masquerade. It's basically eyes wide shut, but mm-hmm. they're actually gonna do it. You know? <laughs> I also had the same thought. But in fact, they were like eyes wide shut. They just talk about doing it. Like the real eyes wide shut. Spoiler alert for Eyes Wide Shut, my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> I thought there was going to be like weird hijinks at the bedrooms or like Mr. Collins was like accidentally going to get into Catherine de Berg's room and I thought Holy that was going to be amazing. really good. That would have been so good. It so good. I just like this just this text just feels like a series of missed opportunities. Like if you had like if you were bowling down Isabeau's lane. Pride and Prejudice, Pemberley, Masquerade, Intimate Variation. That's 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 a strike. 
Intimate variation is also a beautiful mm. turn of phrase. Yeah, it's super good. I, I loved everything about it. And then, like, instead of bowling strikes... It's just fucking gutter balls for days. And they're just like... <laughs> or worse, it's like the bumpers come out. And they're like, we can't put those back in. There's zero risk here. And I was like, intimate variation did not strike me as a bumper bowling. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but jokes I guess, on 18 me, and I up. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we don't have that thing, you that dinosaur you roll the ball down the back of. So right? 18 and up. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Uh, so it'll be a no man's for me. Same. Anything else you want to say about Christmas Masquerade? I'm probably going to go watch Phantom of the Opera sometime this month. Masquerade! Well, don't give yourself too narrow of a timeline there, Isabeau, to watch a two and a half hour. <laughs> that says a lot about where your life's at, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it could have been like that it could have been like that and it just wasn't it wasn't like that and it could have been like that and we still would have zero sex scenes but it would have been way more satisfying it would have been way more satisfying all right that's enough of that that's so good uh and it closed down broadway this year so i feel like that was like our homage there everything comes everyone's been waiting f- <laughs> <laughs> everyone's been waiting for romance's homage to phantom of the opera our bomb our bomb farewell to phantom <sighs> with that loosen your stays loosen your masks mm, loosen your masks but never your principles. Even in this late stage capital hellscape we find ourselves. It's true. It's true. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays. Wooly guacamole, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance. Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan. And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N. Original music by Nick Gravelin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonzak. They're the best. You're also the best. We so appreciate your support by listening. Please consider taking this to the next level by following, rating, and reviewing. We read every single review. Or even check us out on Patreon. If you'd like more woe in your life, you can connect with us on Instagram at womance and on Twitter where we are at mans underscore woe. Or you can find more episodes and content at womancepodcast.com. If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Womance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.